pulpit area up here has got a squeak in it. So if you hear this squeaking, it's not that I'm gaining weight. Well, what's wrong with this? Can you hear that? I got where I don't move around much. Does it? All right. Yeah. Someone asked me if I grew up in Texas. I said, well, partially. I'm still growing. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, my, I don't want to get on this uh, funny stuff anymore. I'm tired of being funny. I think I will be real sober from now on, okay? <clears throat> All right, Philippians 3. I'm sure that a lot of you would really appreciate me being real sober from now on. I want to talk about our relationship with God. This is a message that I prepared for last Thursday night. And all of a sudden, I, I was here at church, and I went home so sick. And I was sick, sick Thursday night with a sinus infection. I'm in a, a very severe type sinus infection. It just hit me so hard. And I remember the last time that I was really sick, it occurred when Brother from France, our missionary from France, Brochu, Brother Brochu was here. And, and I think it's a Thursday night devil. <clears throat> I'm serious with you. I mean, I just felt an attack of Satan. And, and I tell you what, I have been rebuking that Thursday night devil. <laughs> All right, Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I counted all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Praise God. And you may be seated. The reason why that uh, I, I wanted to talk about this is because we have been having so many people to pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and I, uh, I have a real concern uh, because, <clears throat> not that so many people praying through, I, I, I wish, wish we had three or four or five times more people, a lot more people praying through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you who have recently received the Holy Ghost, I'd like for you to pay careful attention to what I am talking about tonight. This is not, per se, a structured message as much as just a real burden of my heart. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people pray through the Holy Ghost, and it's almost like they, you know, it, it seems like that, that people take this as some kind of a, what should I say, a religious fad. You know, it's kind of faddish or something. A lot of people are speaking in tongues. Now, every now and then, you will find that uh, a person will receive a great experience in the Lord, and for some unknown reason that they seem to never really, what should I say, get with the spiritual aspect of 
of serving God. There's some people that just, I don't know if it's their personality or what, just to have them to worship, clap their hands, and enjoy God, it just seems to be so difficult for them. Uh, <clears throat> I uh, would like to to uh, address the men just for a moment of our congregation, so all you men, married men, unmarried men, you need to perk up here and listen to me. Of all the times in which I've done marriage counseling and in which problems have occurred, about 99% of the time, the, the lady will say, well, after we got married, it was almost like he didn't even know I lived anymore. It's almost like he, you know, he lost his, his affection. He was not very affectionate. Oh, well, this is maybe it, uh, uh, you know, everything was kind of normal for a year or so, and then after three or four years of marriage, it's just like, you know, there's no affection in that marriage. And so I've talked with men, and I've asked men, I said, uh, well, when you and your wife were dating, I'm, I... I mean, did, did you actually court her, you know? And, uh, well, yeah. I said, well, I mean, did you, were you affectionate? Uh, did you tell her that you loved her? Well, yeah. But see, after the marriage, it was almost like, you mean I have to say that again? You know, I, you, know you mean I really have to be affectionate? Now, I, I I have a hard time, a very difficult time, uh, <clears throat> understanding that. Uh, I think Sister Grant and I have a very good marriage, uh, but I I just can't I can't feature going through a, a day without a hug, without a kiss. You know, I I just. I'm serious with you. I just I just couldn't feature going through a day without saying, I love you. And when we first wake up in the morning, the very first thing that I say to my wife is, Darlene, I love you. And she always responds, or sometimes she initiates this by saying, John, I love you. And I say, Darlene, I love you. And then I asked her, did you sleep well? And uh, she said, well, outside of your getting up, rambling around half the night. <clears throat> I'm a bad one for doing that. I just, my wife can just sleep through just about anything. But not me. Now, I don't know where Sister Grant found this book. In the trunk of our car. Now, who would have ever guessed that? I always say, if you find, if you lose something and you cannot find it, you absolutely can't find it. You ask Sister Grant, and she will look in her purse, and it's <laughs> it's probably there because she has one of everything on the planet Earth in that purse. <clears throat> Someone asked me if I if I appreciated abstract drawings. Abstract art. I said it looks like the inside of Sister Grant's purse. (laughs) 
You know, it's not any fun unless you dig for your keys about two hours. <laughs> Thank you, hon. I sure love you. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you recognize this little book. I have used this book. This is a minister's handbook. And what I do, just give you some secrets. This uh, that I'm looking at now is the, the wedding vows of Glenn Allen Uselman and Rebecca Ann Martin. Where's Glenn? Is Glenn in here? There he is. All right. And what we do, we make copies for everybody. And when we, when we uh, uh, rehearse the wedding, you know, there's a lot of just goofing off and carrying on. and you, It's hard to get couples, you know, to get down to business. But I'll tell you, the day of the wedding, it gets serious and it really gets romantic. Now, <clears throat> I hope and pray that none of you men out there would brand me as being a sissy by saying that I think that men ought to be romantic. All right? And if any of you think that I'm a sissy, I'll take any of you on any day of the week. All right? <clears throat> Next week, though, okay? <laughs> now, <laughs> but it does get romantic. We had uh, a couple taking, taking pictures at the wedding, and this, this man, a husband and wife, uh, he has taken, they have taken pictures at our, in our church for several weddings. And I was amazed when he, he caught me out by the front door and said, I want to talk with you a minute. And he came up and he just he just broke. He said, "You know," he said, "I my my daughter, she has not had the best of luck with men. And you know, she's uh, I think he told me in her mid twenties or such, and she has just dated a few men that were just they just didn't seem to know how to treat a lady. And so." She was coming home for the weekend. He said, I wish she would have come early because she was bringing her fiancé home to uh, introduce him to mom and dad. And I wish he would have come. He said, now this is the thing. I get the idea that when you're married in Calvary Gospel Church that you're married forever. He said, you people place so much emphasis on it. It's, it's almost like, you know, like, and then his wife came up and she says, it, it's like we should join hands and go get married again. She said, I have, he told me, so I have never been in any uh, atmosphere that has affected me like the weddings at Calvary Gospel Church. Now, all we do is just go through the vows. Uh, the truth of the matter is, I... I think if you look at this handbook that I have, that there's a lot of vows in here that that you would find that would be read at, you know, a, a denominal church wedding. And then we put a little of our own flavor into it. But uh, 
listen to this. I charge you both as you stand in the presence of God to remember that love and loyalty alone will avail as the foundation of a happy home. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm reading this, because if you read in the Scripture, when Paul talks about husband and wife, he talks about Christ and the church. But the Lord is not just in love with a building or a group as much as an individual. This church is no stronger than its weakest members. Now, the reason why that I want to just talk from the very depths of my heart is because I think we're having too many people that are receiving the Holy Ghost that are just kind of walking out after service or so and say, well, it's great. Calvary Gospel Church will always be my church home. Five or six years later, they're still talking like that, but they really have never committed themselves to a relationship. And it is a known fact that tribulation and trouble and trial, trials will, will bring about a relationship faster with God than anything. And I, I think maybe part of it is just because of our, our society. However, <clears throat> when trouble and trial does come because people are not accustomed to just gritting their teeth in certain situations and, and going, they, they just get depressed. A lot of depression. A lot of depression. That's, you know, it's clinical depression, but, but people just use this term loosely, you know, just common everyday depression, like, ah, depression. I ask one person, what, what do you mean by depressed? Well, I'm bored. Well, I'm not for sure that boredom is altogether depression. Now, I, I will say that there may be association. One, in other words, boredom may be the fruits of depression, uh, or at least one fruit of depression. But uh, if you're bored, the, the way to conquer that is to get up and do something. You know? Oh, if you, I mean, nothing to do. Just nothing to do. Well, at any rate, I think there are just far too many people getting saved and not developing a relationship uh, with God. Now... I don't think that we as a church can altogether fault the new convert for this. I want you to hear me. Because I think that each of us, accepting a role as a spiritual parent, and this is what we're trying to do with our, with our sections and with our care ministers, our care directors, we're trying to make sure that each person that comes to the Lord is indeed discipled now discipleship and commitment go hand in hand involvement the, we we have we have seen some people that have grown just leaps and bounds in a short period of time because of involvement and most everyone who gets in right away and they get involved now it's it's difficult to get some people involved in fact some you never will get involved and and I, I you know, you can't you can't have a one hundred percent of of success with with people coming to God. 
But what I want to do first, I want to, to, to address the church. I, I think that, that when we come here in the house of God, that, that we need to let our relationship shine. We really do. And this is the reason why that it's so important for us when we're worshiping that we worship and that we take the house of God seriously. You know, when we, when we get here in the house of God, it's worship all the way. It's caring for the things that Jesus cared for. You see, we have on this, on, to my right, to your left, over here, reaching our world through giving, working, praising, preaching, teaching, praying, and caring. Therefore, the Lord of the harvest sent forth laborers. He taught us to pray. The laborers are few. The harvest is plenteous. And and I will say this concerning those that are involved in the Simpson Street, Broadway Simpson Street outreach, that you have done a, a great job there. I think it's the, the weekly contact with new people. And, and could I also say this to the church, that that every time this church, now this, this, this historically speaking, that every time this church starts an outreach, uh, we have always been blessed mildly of God. Always been blessed mildly of God. And, and then we have situations that come up like we had the Sheets for Christ offering. We took the offering. Uh, we weren't up to our goal. We turned around and took the offering the next Sunday night again. We had over $1,100 given the next Sunday night. And then, of course, uh, we had our missionary here last Sunday night, which was the, the very next Sunday night. We were able to take our missionary on. I took him on for $50 a month. And the offering that night was $1,300. And it just seems like that people are just blessed beyond measure when they reach out to suffering people. And when we say suffering people, we're talking about unsaved people. Everyone that's unsaved is suffering. Maybe from a different disease, so to speak, because sin comes in many, many different classes. It's all one category, but, but people are suffering. Now, Basically, what we need to do is we need to take care of all these people that are coming in the church. And if you're one of the care directors or care minister or visitor, follow up. Every person that you're, you receive a name from, you're assigned to, we've got to make sure that that person, we, we have to make sure that that person is assimilated into the body of Christ, that that person feels welcome, that person feels at home, that person feels needed, that person gets involved if if that person possibly can get involved. Now, every now and then, you know, we I remember not, not too long ago, I we baptized someone that were filled with the Holy Ghost, and I began to question. I said, well, I don't know when I'll be back. I said, why? Well, I go to school. I work two jobs. Oh, that's enough. That's enough to run anybody crazy. And, and But you'll have some of that, you know. So I, I guess I was just fortunate enough to get here. Now, I don't know what God's going to do in a situation like this, but I will assure you that a person that's that involved in the cares of life, 
will not develop the proper relationship with God that they need to make it. Now, when we come in the house of God, we need to create an atmosphere in which a relationship with God is enhanced. Basically, what I'm saying is that if we can turn the lights down, so to speak, light a few candles and bring flowers in here and everybody dress up in in their finest duds and tuxedos and such and create a romantic atmosphere that will enhance uh, the particular moment in which the couple says, I do, I think that all of us, when we come in here, even though the lights are not turned down and they're not flowers all over the place that we can really create an atmosphere in which people uh, are, are pulled into as much as possible a deeper relationship with God now you know there's one thing that I liked about the old old hymns and we don't sing much from the hymn book Brother Uselman tonight sung the hymn it's one of my favorite thank God for the blood and if you will look at some of these old old hymns you will find that many of these hymns, that you cannot sing these without, you cannot sing these songs with, without developing uh, a desire for a deeper relationship. Quite frankly, some of the old hymns, if they did anything, they, they, they developed a, a relationship and a desire. They enhanced the relationship. He keeps me singing. There, there's within my heart a melody. You know, the scripture talks about making melody in your heart. Ephesians 5.19. Somebody just turn to Ephesians 5.19. First person to find it, just stand up and read it. Sister Rowe, God bless you. Now, all right, so uh, right away, you know, there is a word found in this that, that comes out of the Bible. The Bible speaks of making melody in your heart. Now, could anybody tell me, is there anyone here who could tell me what melody is? Brother, Brother Manley probably could help us out on this. He's really into this music thing. I really thank the Lord for Brother Manley's expertise. What is Melody. We're not talking about Melody Shepherd now, so. <clears throat> okay. Melody. Now, I'm reading this. It's got to be right because it came out of the dictionary. It's musical sounds in agreeable succession or arrangement. You know, now the thing about it is someone asked me about Christian rock. Well, the thing about rock music is that it is not melodious. And that also goes for Christian rock. I said, I don't care what you sing as long as you're making melody. Now, I don't think there's a book in the Bible that enhances relationships more than the, the Psalms. And what Paul is doing, Paul is, is taking Ephesians 5.19 from Psalm 101, verse 1. Someone turn there and read that. 
So who has that? Psalm 101, verse 1. You might want to read verse 2. Okay. Now, when you, when you hear that, doesn't that uh, appear to be written by a person who has a deep desire for a closer walk with God? A closer walk with God. And this is what I like about, about the old hymns. Hymn 280, I am thine, O Lord. And, and when you read this, you know, there's a whole lot of scripture in it. And then across the page, 281, I believe Jesus saves. Now sometimes, you know, a lot of, and, and I'm not, I, I don't oppose all the new courses that come along, but, but man, I've seen, I've seen things just get go 90 to nothing and people just running all over the place. And please, this is not against any of the runners that we have here in our church, okay? But I'm, I'm telling you, as soon as the music stops, I mean, just boom, like, well, it's all over. Let's go eat pizza. Just all over. Let's just, and, 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 and sure enough, when they're eating pizza, it's like it is all over. And you know the reason why, I think, is because, you know, music uh, has many different uh, purposes. Some music will preach a message. Some music just makes you feel good. And, you know, just puts a little kick into your religion. But if that's all there is, and see, what happens, though, with some people, and, and, and this is more so, I think, with young people than perhaps any other bracket, is that they like that good feeling of just, yeah, clapping my hands and stamping my foot or something like that. And I think our church is getting away or has gotten away from singing, uh, you know, a good selection of the old, old choruses and hymns that really help us develop a relationship. I'm serious with you. You know, see, here, here's the thing about it. When you, when you look in the Old Testament, you can see some of these Old Testament patriarchs and saints, especially as you, as you read the Psalms, where they were just they were really questing for a deep relationship with God. And the truth of the matter is the Mosaic Law and the plan didn't do much to, to, uh, uh, to encourage that. I think I, I wouldn't have to go into a very deep Bible study to prove that scripturally. Even the name of God in the Old Testament was a very mysterious name. And the thing about it is, the Bible talks about the mystery that is revealed to us in these last days. Uh, Boy, I got books all over the place here. I got the old course book that we used to have years ago. I've got a hymn. I've got uh, the book that I use whenever I 
I perform weddings. I don't read out of this book, by the way. I, I make all this up and I attach it to uh, the pages. And I just have this little one because it's small and it's pretty easy. Scriptures, I copy the Bible and place those in. But let's just see if we can find a scripture right fast. Uh, Ephesians. I'm going to go and see if I can find it before you get there. <clears throat> Let's turn to Ephesians 3, all right? Verse 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. All right? And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Now, basically what the Scripture is saying, and, and you can find this, even the name of Jesus Christ was held secret from the beginning of time and is revealed to us in these last days. Basically what I'm saying is, the New Testament grace dispensation or church dispensation, it appears to me that's purposefully designed by God to create a relationship between man and his God. This is the reason why sometimes like, and you know, and, I'm, I, and please, the next time this song is sung, don't think of, don't think of well, Brother Grant doesn't like this song, like Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for, for me. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. But you see, the, the whole thing about it is, if you will look up all the compounds names of God in the Old Testament, they are all revealed through Jesus Christ. Now, if I'd have been writing that, I would have probably written it, Jesus Christ, my provider, His grace is sufficient. Why? Because the secret's out. In other words, why go back and, and mentally lock yourself into a, a frame or time frame in, in which the secret wasn't out yet? I'm not being critical of the song. I'm saying that there are reasons and purposes for music, and some preach a message. And I think that does preach a message. But I also feel that regardless of why we're singing, that the bottom line is, in all of this, if the, if the relationship that we have with God is not encouraged and, and deepened, and if there is not a desire created within us to, to get closer to God, we perhaps missed the mark just a little bit. Am I making sense tonight? You understand what I'm talking about? Because some people can sit through service and, and, and they got their mind on a thousand things they're going to do after church. All the way from computer games to Pizza Hut to, 
to, you know, to going over somebody's house or whatever. Not too long ago, I just I caught myself praying because when I'm preaching, sometimes I see people in this frame of mind. I think, man, these people are just eating this up, and all of a sudden they'll turn and say something to somebody, and they get a conversation going. They start smiling and laughing. After a while, they just uh, and I know I've lost them. I caught myself praying, Lord, I want to present this in such a way that I totally capture the attention of everybody that's in the house of God. And if there's anybody in the house of God whose mind strays, let them see flaming leaps of fire from hell. Let them understand, you know, just how much they need God. In other words, focus in on this. You ever talk to someone and and you felt like they weren't listening? Mr. Grant and I went into a restaurant the other day, so there was a, a lady that walked up and and she said something and and she was looking way off and and then what she said didn't make sense. So then she realized it didn't. She said, "Oh, I'm sorry." She said, uh, uh, "I had my mind on something else." And so, but. When she started to apologize, she, she looked over this way, and she said something else that didn't make much sense either. Well, so finally, you know what I did? I jumped right in front of her, and I got right down. I looked in her eyes like this, and I said, Are you up in there someplace? <clears throat> you know, that doesn't do much for a customer, does it? <laughs> You know, and some of the great moments you have with your children, you know, in the relationship you had. John used to just, John would stand up behind me when I was driving in the car. And he talked nonstop. Bless his heart. Really. He just talked, 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 talked. And I'd catch myself and say, oh, yes, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one day he saw some horses out in the field. And he said, look, Dad, look. And before I had time to look, without paying any attention to what we were doing in the car, he literally takes my head and cranks it around like this. I mean, he caught my chin, and he pulled my chin around and cranked my head around. He said, look, Dad, don't miss it. And he talked about those horses for no telling how long. Lana used to call me up on the phone. Lana's here. Lana had a hard, hard time speaking to me and getting me to understand. But she was like four years old, and she talked nonstop on the phone, and I couldn't hear a word she would say. But what I would do, I knew that she was, she was warning me to listen, and I'd keep saying, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And all of a sudden I said, yes, she... And I understood this clearly. She stopped and she paused a minute. She says, Papa, you do? I don't know what I agreed to. <laughs> but sometimes we're that way with the Lord. You know, we're in the house of God. We even hear preaching, Amen, Amen, Amen. Uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. And God just wants to take us by the chin and crank our little necks around and say, Take a good look. <clears throat> our 
perhaps jump in front of us and look and say, are you up in there someplace? <clears throat> Praise God. I don't know, Becky, if, if, if Glenn's lived up to all this or not. Glenn, will you repeat after me? Not now. All right. I, Glenn Uselman, take the Rebecca to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sickness and in health, to love and to cherish and forsaking all others, keep thyself only to her till death do you part. It's quite a statement, you know. It is. It's quite a statement. Now, the thing about it is, <clears throat> I, I think that, that, that so much emphasis now is placed on self. And even couples, when they go together, when couples come in and they say, well, we're, we're dating. Uh, and some couples say, we just we have a little problem of, you know, we're getting too close physically. I said, well, let me, let me just explain something. When you start dating... The first thing that you could should consider in your relationship is God. In other words, build your relationship around God. You know? Now, that's necessary. If you build your relationship around God and find out if you're spiritually compatible and pray together, seek God together. Talk about God. Talk about spiritual things. See, in America, there's so much premium placed on beauty that it doesn't make any difference what she is as long as she looks nice or what he is as long as he looks nice. See? Now, some are very fortunate like me to have both, you know. You know good looks and yet be very nice and good anyway. <laughs> but... No, seriously, you know, I have seen people that really, that after they got married, they said, but you know, we're not spiritually compatible. He doesn't want to go to church, or she doesn't want to go to church, or their convictions are not the same. First, build your relationship around God. And when you date, take your Bible with you. And let me just give you a little hint. Keep your Bible right between you. Okay? Well, some of you are laughing. What's so funny, Jane? <clears throat> Take your Bible with you. <clears throat> and, and here's what you do. You say, now look, if you get closer than what you need to get, you're going to have to crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> 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 because, you know, seriously, here's what happens, you know. You know, you, we first, you build your relationship around God. And then you build your relationship based on your emotions for each other. You, you begin to feel for each other and you respect each other. That, that you can actually fall in love and really never touch each other. You may say, oh, Brother Pastor Grant. Now, I'm not saying there's a sin to touch. I'm not saying that. 
I'll deal with that in just a moment. All right? But I'm saying that, 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 you know, the truth of the matter is you don't really fall in love. People fall in love with their ideas. They fall in love with their concept. They fall in love with what they think a person is. And, and later on they find out they're not that, but they're so much involved in the physical relationship that they, they think that that's just going to make it and everything's going to be all right. Now, see, I'm, I'm preaching this. There's a spiritual angle of this, whether you believe it or not. Because when we're talking about these songs, some people, you know, it, it is just a, it's emotions. But it, it, the emotion is not based upon making God feel good as much as I've got to feel good about this. I've got to feel good in my worship. I've got to get a blessing. And so much emphasis today is wrapped up, uh, is on self, rather. And the truth of the matter is, the problem that people have, especially people of the opposite sex, when they work real close together, is that they can actually develop a relationship without ever talking about it, without ever touching. And this is the reason why I constantly caution people, if you're working with someone of the opposite sex, Make sure that you're aware that this can happen and that you always keep your relationship extremely professional. You can be working in an assembly line across a conveyor belt with someone that may not be very attractive. Maybe, maybe you're not attracted to that person physically. But you do this for 15 or 20 years with your nose real close to her nose. And after a while, you develop feelings for each other. Now, I've heard people say, yeah, but you can't love two people. That's a big bunch of baloney. I mean, you really can. Sure you can. But you see, if the emotional relationship is correct, there will always be a respect for each other. And then, then lastly, when you're building that relationship, is the physical. Now remember, the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical. The physical is when you place emphasis on self and us. And a couple wrapped up in self is wrapped up in a very cheap package. But you see, there's so much emphasis now placed on self, you know, Self. And I think when we're trying to disciple people, we must emphasize they need a relationship with God. And if you're with them, make sure you pray with them. I mean, if you're, if you're having fellowship, why don't you pray? Have a good time. There's nothing wrong with praying and weeping and crying, singing songs and such. And I'll tell you, when, when, when our missionary, and I've already forgotten his name now, but uh, uh, Sobolchi, okay, Sobolchi. When Brother Sobolchi was here, and we saw all of these Hungarians and Romanians, when they were all worshiping God, you could, I mean, you know, here people, they had nothing to live for. I mean, nothing. Seriously, just nothing. 
And you see how they were just weeping and crying and reaching out to God. They had suffered and they had suffered and they had suffered. But, it, but in our pampered society, you know, you know, we don't even, we, we, th- we think that, well, you know, if somebody even says something that offends me. You know what Jesus said? Listen to this. In Matthew 18, 7, Jesus said, offenses must come. They must come. Now he says, woe unto the man that offends. <clears throat> and every now and then, you know, in our Christian school, we'll have kids that, that pick on each other. Now, we try to limit that. But the truth of the matter is, you know, there's a whole lot of things in life that, that, that's contrary and adverse that really makes us what we are. And there's some things that you never know what you are until adversity comes. Like loyalty, can that ever be proven any other way than during adversity? Can't be, can it? It can't be. And so what we must realize then, that in our relationship with God, that we just, we know our relationship, we got to fall in love with God. And we need to, in our own private devotion, and, and let me just interject something here. If all the praying and worshiping that you do is only right here in, in this building, you will not make it. I'm going to tell you. It's like a plane that runs out of fuel. It's not a matter of will he or will he not crash. It's a matter of where will he crash. Because he's going to crash. And if you can go through two or three days at home and not pray, not read your Bible, you're going to crash. It's a matter of where. It really is. It's just a matter of where. Now, I, I don't know uh, if I've helped you or not tonight, and I'm not trying to be, please understand, I'm just not trying. It's such a beautiful one. I love him, I love him. Oh, how I love Jesus. Some of these, you know, are real old, but I'll tell you what. Sister Grant, I want you to come if you don't mind. My sister Manley's been playing, but Sister Grant will She's in a class anyway. First love me. I want everybody here now. I want you to, listen, I want you to practice this. Okay? I want you to practice this. You know, I recently read a story, true story, of a man who, uh, some years ago, that all of his life he had knelt down. Always knelt down. But... He couldn't kneel down anymore because he had hurt himself. So he was bedridden. And when his nurses came by, they told him, said, you look so sad. And he said, well, the reason why is because I've always knelt down. And I, I just don't feel that I'm praying unless I'm kneeling. And so one of the nurses simply told this man, she said, well, you know, you can't kneel. He said, I know, and when I can't kneel, I I don't feel like, for some reason, I don't feel like I'm near God. And you know what she did? She pulled up a chair, and she talked with him. And then when she got up, she told this 
elderly man. She said, now, just as you and I talk, why don't you just pretend that Jesus is in this chair? And so she would go by his room quite often, and uh, he would ask her, say, would you come pull the chair up? And she'd pull the chair up, and she'd leave. And she knew it was his prayer time. And one morning, to her amazement, when she went in, this gentleman had passed away. But he had reached out, and here his hand was in the chair. Now, basically what he had done, he had found a way in which he could further his relationship with God just by believing that God was there and that God was like sitting in his chair talking to him. So she left everything like it was, and, of course, she called the staff in, and the proper people came in, and they asked, I wonder why his hand is over in the chair. And she said, because this is where his friend always sits. And he always reaches out for his friend every day. I love him, I love him, because he first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. I'd like you to just close your eyes, if you would. And let's just believe, believe that what we're doing right now is going to help our relationship with God. I love Him. I love Him because He first loved me. And he purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. I love him. Because he first loved me and he purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. Now, without any music, I love him. I love him because he first loved me and he purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. 
I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You know, some of us would almost have to rewrite Scripture. But listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, <clears throat> Sister Karen Mowers, mother just passed away at the funeral today. Sister Marcia Anderson's mother also. Sister Karen's here, but I don't think Sister Marcia's here. The Dan Anderson's grandmother. And one by one, we see our loved ones go on. And I, I've even known of some that had their loved, one, loved ones were in the church. And, and when they passed away, uh, it just it created such an emotional upheaval in their lives. Now, I'm not saying this disrespectful. That can only happen when you have a relationship with a human being that supersedes your relationship with God. I'll be real frank with you. That can only happen. That's why Jesus, when he talked about discipleship, except a man forsake his father and mother. We've got to love God more than we love anything. Nor angels or principalities or powers. I've had people say, I just feel like this power is pulling at me. I just can't give myself to God. If you felt that same power pulling at you when you got ready to take your Canadian fishing trip. Now, some of our men just went to Canada, so good time for me to talk about this, I guess. <laughs> You'd probably go anyway, wouldn't you? You'd probably say, I feel something telling me not to go to Canada, but I don't listen to that. We'll go anyway. But see, those pressures do, they, they, they war against the soul. And every now and then we get these, these things in our mind. We get to thinking that people don't like us. Everybody that leaves the church usually says, nobody loves me. Nobody cared for me. That's just the devil. We're talking about a relationship. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Job said, man is born a woman a few days and full of what? Ease? No, trouble. Shall tribulation? Most of us don't even know what tribulation is talking about. <clears throat> Praise God. Sister Grant, come back. <clears throat> Let's say 192 in this course book. Now, you don't have your course book. Call victory in Jesus. 
It's in the key of F. Brother Manley may have to help me. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus. All right, let's start all over with. Uh, all over with. All, let's start all over so we can be with each other. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is new him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, victory in Jesus. What page, Valerie? Say, sought me, and he bought me. With his redeeming blood, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is new him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Now, if I don't think we have our hymn books out, but this is hymn 116. I want everybody to really enjoy Jesus right now. All right, so let's stand. It's, it's all over with, my preaching that is. <clears throat> okay. Praise God. But I want you to sing this like you're really singing it to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I remember one time... You know, we were questioning a man that was applying for license. And uh, so he had made reference about people getting anointed. And I remember Brother Aaron asking this man, said, Well, have you ever been anointed when you preach? He says, Let me see now. He said, One time it almost came. But we didn't give this man license. You know, there's something about singing with the anointing. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood atoned 
Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He taught me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is new him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again. And he caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought me.